Hi, I'm Alina. And I'm Flora. And welcome to episode one of Yellow Tales. So this has been something that's been in the works for some time now. Yeah. Um, so we created this podcast with the hopes of having discussions about a variety of topics through our lens as Asian Americans. And we wanted to release our first episode as Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month comes to an end. So just a little bit about our background. I'm Chinese American. And I'm Taiwanese American. And we actually met in London when we were studying abroad, um, just traveling Europe together. And our first trip was actually to Vienna. And we booked that mm-hmm. within 24 hours of meeting <laughs> each other. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Yeah. And fast forward a year and a half, um, and now we're co-hosting a podcast together. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So in today's episode, we wanted to talk about the relationship between Asian Americans and African Americans and how we can work together to build solidarity across racial lines in crucial times like these. Mm -hmm. So given the course of events that unraveled this week with George Floyd, for those of you who don't know, was an unarmed Black man who was pinned to the ground and killed by a white police officer, Derek Chauvin, in open daylight in Minneapolis. And this whole incident of the act of police brutality was recorded by bystanders, and now the video has been circulating online, and a lot of people have been talking about the events that have sort of transpired since then. Yeah. And before we get into things, it's important to note that neither of us are Mm African-American. And as we have never experienced the systematic dehumanization that they have, we will never be able to truly understand what the Black experience is like. But we do know that there are a lot of people like us out there who have seen the video, are outraged and disgusted by it, and want to spur um, conversation to offer a hand in solidarity. Mm -hmm. So I guess, Flora, what were your first reactions to the video? Like, personally, how did you feel about it? Um, It was definitely really, really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely really disturbing. Yeah, like, obviously the crime itself, being Floyd's murder by the white officer, was so despicable in and of itself. But I feel like it also shocked me to some degree that there were three other officers on the scene who Mm. didn't do anything to stop it. Yeah, or like they were adding to Floyd's pain. Yeah, exactly. And there was also that Asian-American police officer on the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his name is Toe Tao, and his picture has been going around on Asian-American social media channels. And so many people have been calling him out for being a bystander. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I don't know. Personally, I think I felt kind of ashamed and just overall Mm -hmm. really disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the fact that he just, you know, stood there and watched his colleague kill someone um, right in front of him when he could have protected him, you know? Mm-hmm. I think watching it back, I felt like I was personally holding him accountable for representing my race. And I think there's so much that needs to be said about that. Like, I've been seeing a lot of Asian American people on Twitter and Instagram condemn Tao's actions. So we actually have a few tweets here and we thought it'd be interesting to go through some of them and talk about what we think. So here we go. All right, so the first one is from at Eugene Gu, who is a doctor. 
It reads, The Asian American police officer who stood by and helped his white colleague take a knee on George Floyd's neck must be prosecuted as an accessory to murder. Some Asian Americans go about their whole lives enabling white people to hurt minorities. They make me sick. Mm. Yeah. I think Dr. Eugene Gu is definitely talking about the model minority stereotype here. Yeah, definitely. Um, But so for everyone who doesn't know, what is the model minority stereotype? Yeah. So it was a term first coined in the New York Times in 1966. And it was used during the civil rights movement to position Asian Americans as sort of being a minority segment of the population that was successful financially, socioeconomically, and in terms of their education. And it was sort of used to frame African Americans as being the opposite. So lazy or uneducated and White people did this so they didn't have to hold the centuries of historical oppression and slavery accountable for Black struggles. So essentially, it was used to shift the responsibility off of the system of white supremacy and onto more of a willingness to work hard. So I think a lot of Asian Americans also buy into that stereotype for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, right. So what are some ways in which maybe you've bought into the stereotype? Um, I know for me, one thing that I'm guilty of with adhering to the model minority stereotype was like aligning myself with white people and sort of being ashamed of my Asian identity, especially when I was younger. I really tried to whitewash myself. Like in elementary school, I went through that whole phase where I neglected my own culture's food and I hated bringing in Asian food for lunch. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I remember when my mom actually used to pack me pork some, mm. which for those of you who don't know, it's a dried pork product with almost a fuzzy texture, um, similar to cotton. Yeah. That shit is so good. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I thought it was so embarrassing because my non-Asian friends would ridicule my food since it looked like fur Mm -hmm. yeah no I begged my mom also to buy me Lunchables every day and oh yeah I remember those or like peanut butter jelly sandwiches Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and I I feel like even trying to get my parents who are immigrants to speak English without an accent just stuff like that and I was also born in New York City and I live in New Jersey now so I feel like I've grown up in pretty diverse parts of the country and I was still trying to get my family to be more like the white moms and dads in my community and I think it all ties back to how Asian Americans try so hard all the time to align themselves with white people in power and how that all plays into the model minority stereotype. Mm -hmm. And I think this ties into the situation with Tao Um, The whole not stepping up when racist situations like these transpire in fear of white people disapproving, um, like that's so prevalent today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like even in politics, I know of a lot of Asian Americans that are still afraid to speak out or be engaged politically as well. There's another tweet that I actually want to bring up. It's by at I am Dan Zhao and it says, Cho Tao, the second police officer in the video of George Floyd, is Asian. As an Asian American, I can't describe the pain I felt 
watching him stand by and do nothing. If we're committed to racial justice, all of us, including Asian Americans, need to speak out against racism. Mm. I, I definitely think this rings so true in our culture because Asian Americans in general, I feel like aren't super vocal when it comes to speaking up in so many different contexts. We're always dubbed like the submissive, quiet, people pleaser race, especially the white people pleaser race. Like we're definitely not known to express how we're feeling. Yeah, for sure. And I know for me, the model minority myth has a lot to do with this societal image that we're expected to put up as Asian Americans. Um, There's that element of maintaining your reputation and the whole saving face thing that a lot of Asian cultures believe in. Mm -hmm. And that societal image often does not incorporate poor mental health, which is something that I'm really passionate about. Mm, That's so true. Yeah, and like prior to college, I definitely did not tend to fight against the stigma associated with mental health in general. And it took a lot of time for me to want to normalize this type of help-seeking type of behavior. Um, And it's still so hard to talk openly about mental health, but that's definitely something that I try to do now, partially as a way to challenge the model minority myth, because it pushes us away from encompassing the stereotype that just because we have potentially high incomes, well-educated, that everything would be dandy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, Even in my family, we don't talk about problems very openly in front of each other. And we like to brush things under the rug because there's that expectation on us to constantly be doing fine and be achieving things without addressing our mental health. I think it definitely leads to negative and very dangerous consequences. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back to Tao, I think he definitely perpetuated all of the tropes that we've talked about. Um, And I think he depicts how Asian Americans have traditionally been complacent when it comes to racial issues and white supremacy. Like in that very moment, he definitely considered obeying his white colleague and holding down his job as being more important than saving a human life. And, you know, in particular, a black life. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I guess just to give a little bit more of a background on Tao, he himself is Hmong American So that plays a role in his ability to perpetuate the model minority stereotype. And the Hmong community in general has historically had a complicated relationship with the model minority stereotype. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, even though he is Asian American, it's also important to consider that he is Hmong. And, like, traditionally, the Hmong community has had a refugee history in America. So they've actually suffered a lot. Um, Like, for example, 40% of Hmong American students actually drop out of high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, like, super high. It's almost double the national average. That's interesting because there's been a lot of Asians condemning Tao's actions um, without maybe including his background in the picture when it comes to Mm -hmm. talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of them have primarily been East Asian. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a lot of people that have been condemning him have been, say, Yale educated, middle or upper class East Asian activists. Yeah. And while I think Tao should certainly be condemned for his actions in the Floyd murder, it's 
interesting that East Asians are the ones condemning him. Um, and being East Asian myself, I feel like I've even seen people I know have a tendency to define the term Asian American as being East Asians only. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never really included East Southeast Asians in the conversation about Asian Americans prior to events like yeah. these. And I think that also goes back again to the model minority myth. Like, I feel like there's so many layers to it. Like, Tao is a Hmong American, and in that moment, he was devaluing the life of Floyd, a Black man, being an Asian person. And at the same time, East Asians also play into the model minority myth and don't consider themselves as part of the same community as Southeast Asians are. And they don't value Southeast Asian lives or the less sophisticated immigrant, store owner, minimum wage worker lives in the same way that they value more like college educated, STEM employed, East Asian lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's also so important to dispel the model minority myth because as we know, there's so many factions within the Asian American community Mm -hmm. and um, different communities that are struggling, whether it be the Hmong community, Laotian community, or Vietnamese community, etc. Right, yeah. Like, we're so diverse, and we're not just this monolith of a race in America, which I think a lot of people need to understand. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think the model minority stereotype has often caused many Asian Americans to sort of chase their own economic success and neglect populations like the Hmongs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you do put this expectation on people like Tao to not be racist, um, then make sure you're doing everything in your power to include them in race-related conversations to begin with, not just when they're making headlines. Yeah, I mean, like, let's face it. I know, like, we definitely don't do enough to uplift people in our own racial group who are struggling. And so when we condemn Tao, who I think absolutely should be condemned and I'm glad that people are. I think the onus is also on us to check ourselves and see if maybe we're perpetuating the myth too. And if we are, then we got to work to change that. Like, we really just have to practice what we preach. And if we're going to hold someone to a certain bar of advocacy, then we have to do the same thing. So beyond acknowledging the flaws within our own community and how we tend to exclude Southeast Asians from the Asian American narrative, What are ways that we can focus on our own faults and hold ourselves accountable? Yeah, um, I think just trying to debunk the model minority myth in our day-to-day lives as much as we possibly can. Um, Like I said earlier, Asian Americans are not a monolith and we cannot be reduced to a stereotype. And for the most part, we're definitely still divided in a lot of senses. I know being Asian American myself or Chinese American in particular, I've seen it within my own community. And so I think constantly checking ourselves and checking our privilege is a good first step. And, you know, asking ourselves, have we been aligning with white people in power who don't care about anti-Black racism? Or have we been viewing our race as a monolith and thinking that all Asian Americans are just doing fine financially when they are, in fact, um, you know, not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think because we have this privilege, it's definitely important to leverage that to bring our community closer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we want to build solidarity across racial lines, we definitely also got to 
build solidarity within our own community. Um, and that includes in, uh, including all Asians in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now I want to steer the conversation in another direction. Can we talk about the NYU Lambda Phi Epsilon fraternity <laughs> thing that's happened? Yeah. Oh, my God. For sure. <laughs> So in the wake of the George Floyd murder, what's even worse than staying silent in general is probably to be just plain ignorant. (laughs) So there have been these screenshots from a group chat um, at NYU's Lambda Phi Epsilon, um, which for those of you who don't know is an Asian interest fraternity. And these screenshots kind of went viral on Twitter. Um, There were multiple Lambdas who were just spitting nonsense and I want to read some of them right now. So the first is by Justin Tung. It says, being an indentured servant and being a slave is different, but the principle is the same. We grinded significantly harder while Black people were lazy. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but since all of these have leaked, um, I believe NYU has suspended the frat. Mm, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously this is an insanely false statement, first of all. So can we just talk about that? Yeah. I think these people definitely don't understand that there is a definite difference in history between a population that has been forcibly brought over on slave boats across the Atlantic versus a population who came over voluntarily to try to build a better life. So... Yeah, to just group the two by saying that they're the same principle, I think that's just so wrong. Um, Yeah, and I think his statement uh, of we grinded significantly harder while Black people were lazy, that directly plays into the model minority stereotype mm -hmm. again. Um, Like, he's completely neglecting the systems of white supremacy and generations of institutionalized racism that hold these people back. Yeah. I I think speaking of the model minority stereotype, um, Justin Tung also says this one quote, Black people never did shit for us when we were down. They made it exceptionally worse for us. It's not hard to understand why Asians don't feel inclined to help when they've stepped on us due to jealousy because of a model minority label white people slapped onto us. Yikes. (laughs) At least he got the part about white people slapping us. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I just, I think if we keep blaming the other group for not doing stuff for us when we're down, it's just going to be a never ending cycle. Mm-hmm, yeah. And beliefs like this are the reason that the wedge between us and the African-American community keeps getting bigger. Mm-hmm. If we keep putting the blame on them for not stepping up for us and we continuously don't step up for them, then when is it going to end? You yeah. Know? I think... At the end of the day, like both groups have been racially and economically manipulated and oppressed under the same system of white supremacy, although not to the same extent. And we obviously do have different histories in America, um, but a lot of our freedoms as Asian Americans are accredited to moves made by African Americans during the civil rights movement also. Yeah, and there's so much room for us to come together um and we'd be a lot stronger if we just work together towards abolishing white supremacy Mm -hmm, as a whole for sure so i want to know what you think about this um i've been seeing justin as well as 
other lambdas get exposed on social media and people are posting their home addresses, resumes, phone numbers, reaching out to their employers. Mm. Um, and there's definitely a lot of heat involved and some are claiming that it's become a witch hunt. So even though they definitely should be held accountable, um, I think this raises the question of how do you draw the line between teaching someone a lesson versus trying to tear them down? How do you feel about that? Like, do you think it's going too far or is it justified? Um, I, I mean, I think what was said in the Lambda group chat was definitely disgusting. And I, I do think that the actions that people are taking to hold them accountable are honorable. But I think that in doing that, it also often detracts and distracts from more actionable steps we can take to, um, you know, build solidarity in general. And I think, honestly, it might be way more productive and better to improving race relations by taking action in other ways, whether it be through protesting or donating or maybe educating the people directly on why their viewpoints are incorrect versus, I guess, trying to ruin their lives over the internet and stalking them for hours trying to, like, find their home address. <laughs> right. And I think with cancel culture, young people definitely have a tendency mm-hmm. to do this. Um, but I agree, after these lambdas are held accountable, it's important to shift the focus back to the presser rather than be in this never-ending cycle of, Um, blaming others for not stepping up. I want to read another quote that I saw on Instagram, which says, it is not enough to be quietly non-racist. Now is the time to be vocally anti-racist. I think that's a great point. That's such a good quote. And yeah, I think it goes back to holding ourselves accountable and leading by example. Like, If you're an Asian American person and you're not well read on black issues, then maybe try and educate yourself. Or if you're still perpetuating the model minority myth and if you find yourself holding biases or if you say this kind of stuff that the Lambda guys in your group chat said um, with your friends, then you should actively work on that. Like, don't be afraid to have conversations with your family members and your own friends and call people out on their bullshit. And (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like, yeah, if there's parts of ourselves that are unpleasant and that we don't like, then I feel like we got to work to change them. And I know I personally still have a long way to go. I don't know about you, Flora. Yeah, me too. Definitely. I think that's where we need to get to when it comes to trying to debunk the model minority myth. Um, and also building coalitions across race lines. So now let's talk about what's been happening all across America in the past day or so with all the rioting. Mm, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So a lot of people are drawing parallels between the riots that are ongoing now to the L.A. riots. Um, There's actually a video from the 1992 L.A. riots floating around Twitter and TikTok that shows a Black man saying things like, don't burn down my store. I work too hard for this. It's not right what y'all doing. And it's honestly such a heartbreaking video. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I know we, there's many types of stores and small businesses that are negatively impacted by these riots, um, both the LA riots and the ones going on today. But considering the fact that the man in the video is black, 
how do you think that impacts the message behind the video? Um, yeah, I, I think it definitely makes the message for anti-rioting stronger. For sure, like seeing a black a store owner in the video makes it different because I think it shows that when we approach the fight against anti-blackness, using violent riots, even black people themselves are getting hurt in the process. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that raises the question of whether these riots are accomplishing something substantial. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think from a long-term standpoint, riots do lead to change or at least attempts to enact change. I mean, I can't think of a single period in history where significant social progress was made without some sort of violence. And I think it's just hard as an Asian American because I feel like I'm not qualified enough to have a stance on whether or not rioting should occur. Like, it's not our choice to determine how an oppressed group protests. So, yeah. And that's definitely a question that is hard to answer right now. And I wonder if other Asian Americans maybe feel the same in terms of their Mm -hmm. position. Yeah, because I guess we don't know what changes or progress will come from what's happening. Exactly. And speaking of this video and the LA riots, let's actually back up and talk about it. Because I think there's a lot of history that repeats itself when it comes to Mm -hmm. race relations. Do you want to maybe explain what the LA riots were? Um, So the LA riots happened in 1992 after tensions worsened between the Black community and the Asian American community, particularly the Korean American community. And it was basically the biggest blow up between the Blacks and Asians in America in modern day history. So there were two primary events that led to the explosion of the riots. The first was the Rodney King incident. So Rodney King was a Black man who was on parole for robbery, and he got caught up in this high-speed car chase with the police and eventually when the cops did catch up to him they dragged him out and beat him up so brutally and it was four cops so yeah and the whole thing was caught Mm -hmm. on camera too yeah but even with the footage the officers were still found not guilty so i feel like that obviously pissed a lot of people off and it was an outright display of discrimination against black people in general Mm-hmm. And around the same time, there was actually also the Latasha Harlins mm-hmm. incident um, that just worsened everything. Um, so I think this was a case of a Korean store owner who shot and killed a 15-year-old Black girl who was thought to be stealing mm-hmm. an orange juice. Yeah. Yeah. And the store owner, I think similar to the cops in the Rodney King incident, didn't face that much punishment at all. She literally only got probation and a $500 fine. So these two events coupled together definitely heightened tensions in the Black community and the LA riots happened. But it's interesting to note the parallels between what's happening now and what happened in the 1992 riots. There's definitely a lot of comparisons that I think can be made. And I think to point out one difference that's good and I'm air quoting good, (laughs) but a good (laughs) difference is I think the fact that in the modern day incident with George Floyd, the four cops were fired right away and one of them was charged with third degree murder and manslaughter pretty quickly. So, yeah. So I think these actions can definitely be seen as progress since the 
events that unraveled with Rodney King. Mm -hmm. But now there's the debate of whether a third degree murder is the right charge or not. Yeah. So I think that's why I was air quoting good when I was saying that this is a good difference because I think even though we can appreciate the change in the way we hold cops accountable since the Rodney King incident, I wonder, is this a good enough of a change considering the almost 30 year time frame that has passed since Rodney King? Yeah. And it seems like they did try to deliver justice in a swifter manner, but the question of whether the charge of third degree murder is justice or not Mm -hmm. still stands. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be interesting to see how things continue to unravel like in the next few days for sure. Yeah. And now as a contrast to the video that we've been talking about um, that leans towards the side of anti-riots, here's a tweet that makes us think about the other side. So at Fiorella underscore IM said, everyone's saying people shouldn't riot. Sure, maybe. But there's a point where you drive people past their shit level. We've hit it over and over again. Stop blaming the people and start taking those operators of the corrupt system accountable. That's where your finger should point. Mm. I think this reminds me of the importance of considering the context behind writing before making a judgment about whether it's a good or bad thing or Mm. a right or wrong thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because not everything exists in this sort of clear cut black and white world. I mean, also as a non-black person, I've been seeing a lot of people point out differences in biased media reporting and how the rhetoric used to describe the predominantly white protesters who protested the ending of the coronavirus lockdowns is so different from the rhetoric that's now being used to describe black people who protest for Black Lives Matter. Or there's been tons of white people who also loot after sporting events, but they don't face the same brutality from the National Guard that black people looting are facing right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it definitely undermines the Black Lives Matter movement even more when um, non-black people and people with privilege condemn rioting and looting. Um, and when they only speak up about the looting and not the bigger picture at hand, which is the George mm-hmm. Floyd murder, because that doesn't yeah, affect them directly. exactly. For those people who are criticizing the looting, it's like, what are you doing to protect human rights? At the end of the day, you know, property can be restored, but mm-hmm. Black lives cannot. Yeah, definitely. It's like, if your mind solely concentrates on the looting, then are you really supporting the Black Lives Matter movement in good faith? Definitely. I mean, I obviously don't condone violence either, and I do think that it can be a really effective way to protest against a system that is inherently unjust and rigged against you. And I think it's also important to kind of acknowledge the inevitability of it if the system doesn't change. And although I don't want violence to happen, I can totally see why it does. And for Asian American people and other non-Black people arguing for peaceful protests right now, it's like Black people have protested peacefully and tried to negotiate with the law for so many years and nothing has come of it. So like the riots themselves aren't the problem, but I think the riots are simply a symptom of the greater problem at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. 
So there's a speech that actually went viral at a Minneapolis rally, um, and it's by activist Tamika Mallory. And in it, she says, America has looted Black people. America looted the Native Americans when they came here. So looting is what you do. We learned it from you. We learned violence from you. So if you want us to do better, then damn it, you do better. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's like, I think looting is obviously an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. But the fact that African-Americans face racism every single day of their lives, that's uncomfortable, too. And that's what we have to remember. Mm -hmm. And we also aren't speaking from a place where we can ever truly understand the emotions in the Black community. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, we can maybe sympathize, but we won't ever be able to empathize with what they're feeling. Yeah. We definitely don't know the ways in which their anger is manifested. Yeah, but I I think it's important as a non-Black person to respect the ways in which people are protesting from the perspective that they might be justified in feeling the way they do, considering all of the oppression that they have experienced. And if it's difficult for you or for anyone to understand why people are resorting to violence, then again, you need to check your privilege and we need to check our privileges and see how our privilege has protected us from situations where we feel like we have no other choice other than to resort to violence itself. Yeah. I think also the previous tweet by Fiorella underscore I am brings up a great point about shifting the focus Mm -hmm. back to the oppressor. Like, yeah, it does make me uncomfortable that these riots are costing the lives of innocent individuals. And yeah, it's pretty frustrating that a lot of the stores that are being looted are owned by minorities like Asian Americans or African Americans. But maybe drawing more attention towards the quote-unquote operators of the corrupt system can be an effective way to go about things rather than blaming rioters for the damage that they've caused. It's definitely important that we sort of mount this common fight towards taking down white supremacy together. And I think if we don't, we're just further pulling apart Blacks and Asians. And I think that only contributes more to what the model minority myth has tried to do. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, We need to build solidarity with our African-American brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk about some ways that we can mount a common fight? Yeah, I think definitely starting with funds that we can donate to. There's the Minnesota Freedom Fund and the George Floyd Memorial Fund. Those are really good ones. Yeah, and I think there's also merit in what we can do just by speaking up, whether it be signing a petition or having conversations to raise awareness. Um, And social media is also a great place to voice your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Or voice your thoughts in a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but no, even recognizing our own privileges is a step in the right direction. And I know I definitely want to keep learning. And to anyone out there who's struggling or hurting, We want to learn from you and just know that we are with you. And for those people out there who are protesting, please, please be safe. Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that wraps up our first episode. Mm -hmm. So thank you to everyone who has made it this far. And we hope to see you in our next one. Bye. (laughs) Bye.